Fifteen years ago today, our country suffered a terrible attack at the hands of terrorists. Thousands of lives were lost. Fear captured our hearts. And in the years that followed, many more lives would be lost. In fact, we can see and say our lives have been changed forever because of that trouble. And yet it's also true that that's not the only trouble we experience in life. There's many more things that happen and that change us. So there are questions that come to mind when we go through those difficult times. How long will this last? What can we do? Can, can we trust our leaders and, and what they're going to do to help us? Is there something more that I should do? Will I ever get out of it? All of those questions can simply be answered, and we can have certainty that things will be okay from one word, a word that our God gives us, believe. Today we want to focus on believing, even in difficult times. I want to tell you about an attack, attack on people. But it isn't from our time, it's from thousands of years ago, an attack that was made on God's people. It comes from the book of 1 Samuel. During this time, the people of Israel wanted change. They wanted things to be better, to be different in their life. And they had a demand of their leader, their prophet, and of God. And that demand was, we want a king to lead us, like all the other nations around us have. Now even though God said this was a rejection of him, he granted their request and he had the prophet Samuel anoint a young man by the name of Saul to become the first king. And it happened just a little before the years 1000 B.C. Israel now had their king. They felt it was important to have a king because they were facing some difficult times. There's a lot of detail in that map. I just want to call your attention to two things. On the left side, you see that grayed out area. That was the territory of the Philistines. You remember the story of David and Goliath? Goliath was a Philistine. The Philistines were constantly invading Israel territory. And that's the second thing to look at, all those red arrows. They were constantly invading Israel territory and attacking them. And the people were crying out for help. Now, let's join the story in progress from 1 Samuel 13. Jonathan, who was King Saul's son, Jonathan attacked the Philistine outpost at Geba, and the Philistines heard about it. Then Saul had the trumpet blown throughout the land and said, Let the Hebrews hear! So all Israel heard the news. Saul has attacked the Philistine outpost. And now Israel has become obnoxious to the Philistines. 
And the people were summoned to join Saul at Gilgal. Now at first it sounds like there was some success in that Israel had attacked their enemy and won. But did you hear how that was put out there? Saul sounded the trumpet that that attack had been made and the people said, Saul attacked our enemy. Well, that wasn't the case, was it? It was Jonathan who attacked and had that success. You know, sometimes we like to do that and call attention to ourselves and what we have done and maybe take credit for something else that somebody else has done. But worse than, than Saul not giving credit to his own son was nobody was giving credit to God. Nobody was saying, look how God is helping us. Look what God is doing for us. It's so easy, isn't it? To see what we have done and to say, look, look what we've done. Look what we've accomplished. Isn't that great? Instead of saying, look at what God has done. So there's a first lesson for us here that sometimes is at the start of difficult times, and that's this. When you have success, be careful and remember that pride goes before the fall. Now the story continues, as you heard, it said the Philistines now are gathering because the Israelites had become a stench to them. They wanted revenge. So here's what happened. The Philistines assembled to fight Israel with 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and soldiers as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They went up and camped at Michmash, east of Beth-Avon. Now when the Israelites saw that their situation was critical and that their army was hard-pressed, because they had like about 3,000, they hid in caves and thickets and among the rocks and in pits and cisterns. Some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan River to the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul remained at Gilgal, and all the troops with him were quaking with fear. And then a few year, verses later, the holy writer tells us what else happened. Samuel, the prophet, left Gilgal and went up to Gibeah and Benjamin, and Saul counted the men who were with him. They numbered about 600. Do you get the picture? They were outnumbered. All those chariots and charioteers and soldiers that they couldn't even count. And Saul does his head count. He started with 3,000. Now he's down to 600. He felt outnumbered. There have been times maybe when you felt outnumbered too. Do you see what their reaction was? They just started to hide. They started to run away. Some even said, let's get out of the country. They were all looking at it from their perspective, and they were making some miscalculations. And as a result of that, there was mistrust in God 
and missed opportunities to serve God. Have you ever felt the odds were against you? Maybe it seemed like all sorts of people were against you. Things weren't going your way. You didn't have what you needed to fight this battle. That's when God says, don't fear. Have faith. Remember, he says to you that he is your good shepherd. And because of that, you will lack nothing. Now, Saul knows he needs to take some action, so he consults the prophet Samuel. And they decide that they needed to make some offerings to the Lord. That was part of their, their worship life at that time. They would make these sacrifices to the Lord, which expressed their desire for forgiveness and were expressing their commitment to God and asking for his blessing. Now, Samuel told them that he would arrive in seven days and that Saul should simply wait for him to arrive. You see, according to their religious rites, only the priests or the prophets could offer that sacrifice. So the seventh day came, but Samuel did not. And Saul's getting kind of nervous. So he decides, I'm just going to offer this sacrifice and get this going. And so he does. And of course, you know what happens. As soon as he offer, offers the sacrifice, the prophet Samuel shows up. And he is rebuked because he did not follow the Lord's directions. Now on the surface, we might think, but wasn't that a good thing? I mean, he was doing what he was supposed to, right? He offered the sacrifices. But that's not what God asked for. He asked for obedience and trust. Saul, instead, was putting the trust, the focus, on what he could do, what he could get going so that they could be victorious. Sometimes we have to wait for the answers we want. Sometimes we, you might have to wait for a job to come along. Or maybe you have to wait for the test results to come back from the doctor. Maybe you're waiting for God to act and turn things around. Maybe you're waiting on our, our leaders to get their act together to do something. Maybe you're just waiting for answered prayer. But while we wait, don't lose faith. Believe. Because you see, waiting is sometimes God's gym to build us up, to make us stronger in our faith. True, while we wait, sometimes the challenge becomes bigger. Listen to what's going on. Now, here's another map, again, too much detail, but focus on the center there. You see that yellow circle? That's where Jonathan and Saul are camped out. Jonathan right on the front lines, and Saul took a hike a little farther back. Then the Bible tells us that the Philistines decided to break their army into three groups and spread them out so that they could surround the Israelites and attack them more easily. And even worse than that, the writer tells us, the Israelites didn't have any weapons. You see, they had no metalsmiths in their country. So they had no swords or spears to use to fight. In fact, if they wanted their 
plows sharpened, they had to go into Philistine territory and play, pay their blacksmiths, what we'd say, an arm and a leg, in order to get their plows sharpened. So they are up the proverbial creek without any paddles. And now they're surrounded. The writer summarizes it. So on the day of the battle, not a soldier with Saul and Jonathan had a sword or a spear in his hand. Only Saul and his son Jonathan had them. Sometimes, maybe you feel like you're surrounded. Sometimes, maybe you feel you are short and in need. But not with God. God surrounds our enemies. God supplies all of our need. That's why the Apostle Paul, in our reading just a few minutes ago, said, what then shall we say in response to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Have you ever found yourself going through some difficult times? What did you do? Run and hide? Throw up your arms and just give up? Have some doubts, had some fears? Maybe get angry with God? Today he simply reminds us, believe. Look to him. Listen to his promises and lean on him. Well, that was chapter 13, the difficult times. We turn the page to chapter 14, and we hear how faith makes a difference. One day, Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to his young armor-bearer, Come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he didn't tell his father. You know, it would be easy to look at the situation and to be discouraged. Look at the situation. They're outnumbered, they're surrounded, and they're short of supplies. But there's one more challenge. He says, let's go over to that other side. Here was the other side. The Bible goes on and describes it for us. There was just a narrow pass that they were in. On each side of them were these tall cliffs. And the only way they could get up there to the Philistine army was to climb. But Jonathan and his armor bearer are not discouraged. You see, faith has courage to confront the challenge that's set before it. His words are, come, let's go do it. It reminds me of the attitude that Jesus had for the challenge that was before him, the cross and our salvation. The writer of the letter to the Hebrew Christians put it this way, fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Throughout the Gospels on Jesus' life, we hear of his focus on this mission. We hear of him speaking of his suffering and his dying and his rising. He knew what lie ahead of him, yet he would not turn away. He remained faithful for our sake, for our salvation. And now the writer to the Hebrews says, look, look at what he did and stay faithful to God. Keep running that race. Keep walking on that path that God has set before you. Don't turn to the right or to the left, but stay focused on his word and his will and have courageous faith. Now, some people might say, well, obviously Jonathan was a man of courage, you know, and it's sometimes just one of those guy things, you know, they like the challenge. Well, that wasn't it at all. It wasn't a guy thing. It was a faith thing. Listen how the holy writer explains it. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of those godless men, Perhaps, and that word could be translated, surely, the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Faith simply counts on the Lord. Now think about that situation. They are outnumbered and surrounded, but yet they weren't attacked. Why? Jonathan saw something. He saw that the hand of the Lord was holding back that enemy. And he saw this as the opportunity, this as the open door to go forward and carry out God's will for his people. Maybe Jonathan was reminded of a promise he heard from his Bible that was spoken by Moses. How could one man chase a thousand or two put 10,000 to flight unless the rock had sold them, unless the Lord had given them up? But their rock, God did not give up on his people. The Lord did not turn away from them. And so these two men will be able to rout thousands. It's like, the Apostle Paul said in our reading earlier, there's nothing that can stop, nothing that can hinder, nothing that can twist and turn or derail the love of God for us in Jesus Christ. Absolutely nothing. And God showed that with our salvation. He didn't save by many. He saved the whole world by one. By the obedience of the one man, Jesus, he provided a righteousness that is needed for all to stand before God. And that righteousness is ours through faith in Jesus Christ. By one man, by Jesus Christ, God took away the guilt of the world so that we are forgiven. And we'll hear from his lips the declaration, you're innocent you're righteous. Now, 
we hear his invitation. Believe and be saved. Now, what do you think that young armor bearer is thinking? Here they are, a sword and spear, several thousand men above them up on the cliff, and his boss says, come on, let's go. Here's what he says. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. See, faith commits to following the way of the Lord. Now, what I find is so interesting is we don't know who this young armor bearer is. We don't have his name. We don't have his background. We don't know how he was trained. We don't know how he was chosen for this job. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Because what was important was his faith in the promises of God. You maybe remember one of the stories that came out of that horrible day, 9-11, 15 years ago, when some men on one of the airliners that had been hijacked heard what was going on, and they knew that their plane was destined to crash somewhere and it was going to be the White House how they decided they would take over that plane, even if it meant their death. You remember their statement? He said, let's roll. And we see that as a heroic statement, right? Well, I like this heroic statement. I'm with you, heart and soul. Faith commits to following the Lord. Our Lord made some beautiful statements for us even when he was advised by his disciples to turn away, don't go to Jerusalem, there's only trouble there. Even in his prayer, Jesus said, Father, what should I say? Save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason that I came into this world. Jesus never changed his commitment to save us. And yet, how often we are ready to turn away from the Lord thinking that what is before us is just too hard, too challenging. Don't doubt. Believe. Commit to following on the path he has set you on. But understand that the way may not be easy either. Listen, Jonathan said, come on then. We'll cross over toward them and, and let them see us. <laughs> it's not like, let's sneak up on them. No, let's go stand right in front of them. And if they say to us, wait there until we come down to you, we'll stay where we are and not go up to them. In other words, we'll fight right here. But if they should say, come on up to us, well, then we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. Faith makes a difference because faith will climb that challenge. Faith acts even when the road is unclear, when the odds are against us, when the height we have to scale is too high, faith will climb. It's not going to roll over. It's not going to give in. It's not going to give up. It will persist. It will pursue the goal that God has for it, even in the face of challenges. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. And the men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, 
Come on up to us, and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Many people would maybe just give up. This is too intimidating. But faith will continue even when it's challenged. Faith doesn't make the task easy. The road still could be windy and bumpy and difficult. There might be two detours. The enemy might be large and loud, but our God is bigger and louder still because the victory is his. So Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. Then panic struck the whole army. Those in the camp and field, those in the outposts and the raiding parties, and the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. It wasn't that they had a great strategy. It wasn't their strength. It wasn't their weapons. It was their God that gave them the victory. In fact, the holy writer puts it this way. So on that day, the Lord saved Israel. In difficult times, faith sees that it will conquer because the Lord gives us the victory. There's another day in history when God gave a great victory to people on Resurrection Sunday. When Jesus crossed over into enemy lines. That is, when Jesus descended into hell and showed himself victorious over sin to the devil and the demons. It was a day when Jesus showed himself victorious by bursting the chains of death and coming out of that tomb and showing you and me that he lives and because he lives, we live too. And so we can say with the Apostle Paul, where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Faith simply relies on the promises, the power, and the presence of God to make a difference. The days, the years, even right now, the time following 9-11 has been difficult. But understand that it's not just the threats from terrorists that we face and makes life difficult. There's all sorts of other threats in our life too. Increasing immorality. Increasing rejection of God and Christianity. Hatred toward religion. And apathy among God's own people in their own heart to, do, to quit worship, to despise his word, to give up on, on studying that word and following and trusting. Those are all threats that are out there trying to defeat us. But there's one simple answer to every threat. Would you say it, please? Believe. Believe in God the Father who has created you and preserves you for eternity. Say it again. Believe 
in God the Son who gave up his life to take away your sin and to give you eternal life in heaven. And again, believe in God the Holy Spirit who has given you faith in Jesus Christ and who has called you to commit your life to follow him. Even in difficult times, there is one answer that gives us hope. We say it again. Believe.